test you, Stephen. He was on the bench for oh. Arsenal. No pressure. Well, no pressure. He actually did Time up. Time up. <laughs> Subscribe now to the OTB Football Podcast stream wherever you get your podcasts and download the OTB Sports app. Football on Off The Ball With Sky Watch Premier League, Women's Super League Scottish Premiership and much more Live on Sky Sports Very good afternoon to you and welcome back to Off The Ball on this Sunday afternoon, St Stephen's Day The day after Christmas Day I hope you all had a lovely Christmas And uh, do stay with us throughout the afternoon Because it's all Premier League for the next two hours I'm joined this afternoon by Shane Keegan, a regular OTB contributor and uh, the man who uh, was alongside me for the last off-the-ball commentary before we went for the World Cup break, Shane. It seems like a long, long time ago. Um, I was only thinking there today myself, it's... uh, it kind of seems like a, a bit of a fever dream uh, since uh, Manchester United won 2-1 against Fulham at Craven Cottage. And uh, I was also thinking as well, Argentina winning the World Cup, of course, but when they defend it in four years' time, we could see United's Craven Cottage hero Alejandro Garnacho star for La Albi Celeste. He caught our ride that day anyway, Stephen, didn't he? He really, <laughs> really was. Uh, he was absolutely excellent in that game. They, there's no doubt they wouldn't have... They wouldn't have won the game because they were they were second best for long long periods that day. I'm I'm trying to remember back. It's hard to, hard to remember back that far, um, but I certainly remember they were second best for long periods that day. But but he came up trumps in a in a very dramatic way. All right, that day, didn't he? Yeah, he sure did. I tell you one thing: the bonus of being a League of Ireland manager, uh, Cove Amherst manager, of course, you are Shane Keegan, um, is that uh, not having to worry about uh, getting players into training the day before Christmas Day or anything like that. But I'm sure you are a very, very busy man. Did you have it? Did you manage to have a nice Christmas? All the same. I did, I did. It is hectic, yeah, it is hectic. We got the lads in for the first time, actually, um, the week leading into Christmas. We would have done a, a round of fitness testing with them, Stephen, the usual kind of crack to see where they're at, kind of speed, stamina, strength, all of that sort of stuff, so that you can use those results then to to, to tailor your pre-season plan to make sure everybody's getting what they need from it. And then you can let them back to, to friends and family for the Christmas, and they'll be back in with us then, basically, first week of January, straight away. The League of Ireland this year kicks off on, on the 17th of February so by going back in first week of January that basically gives you the, the seven weeks I suppose all in that you, you need to prepare a, prepare a team properly but um, yeah look it's gas you know people from outside the league or haven't been involved in that would often ask you how you're enjoying the break but I sure Stephen it's on anything but a break give me give me the season over the off season anytime at least at least during the season I have a, a routine and I know where I am and when I'm there and it doesn't change a whole pile whereas in the off season you're off one part of the country to trying to sign this fella, then you're off to another part of the country trying to sign that fella, and there's the whole, he's given me this, and I've been offered this here and offered that there, and oh, it'd make your head explode, so it would. But uh, <laughs> thankfully, we got we got one very good signing over the over the line just before the Christmas with Kobe. We signed a, a fella called Jack Doherty, who was a fine player. Um, so that kind, of, that kind of put a smile on my face for Christmas, certainly. I'll tell you one thing that didn't put a smile on your face. Tottenham's defending this afternoon. No, you're a bit of a Tottenham man, Shane. They drew 2-2 with Brentford. They had to pull that result out of the fire. But uh, uh, some of the defending both sides really was poor. We didn't get to see the full game. You're obviously preparing for the show. But with a half an eye on it, that looked like a, a big issue today for both sides. And it's a, it's a result that really knocks Tottenham back in their pursuit of perhaps Premier League title glory. It's a really strange one as a Spurs supporter so far this season, Stephen, because... 
like for all the world, it doesn't feel like we're doing very, very well. Um, almost any Spurs performance I've watched this season has looked subpar. Um, and quite often we've somehow managed to get a, a point or three points from the game. And I'm scratching my head going, how the hell did we manage that considering how poorly we played today? And this morning was today was another example of that. Um, it really, really was. I think I think Spurs played for all of about 20 minutes um, out of the 90 and, and somehow managed to get two goals during that 20 minute period and, and and get a draw from a game where yet again they were second best for for a huge huge period of it as you say defensively um you know Spurs I suppose the Spurs thing under Conte is defending numbers because individually um and certainly seen today you know, there's not too many of them that you trust Christian Romero obviously was a huge loss today as was Hugo Lloris because Jaffa Tanganga came back into the side having not played since January um and looked for all the world, like a man who hadn't played for, for Spurs since January. Um, and like Ray Fraser Forrester coming in in the goal in place of Hugo Lloris. I mean, he was, now he made one, he made one very good save, but apart from that, he was all over the place. He such, should certainly have done better on the first goal. And then throw into that one guy that he's usually, I was going to say usually reliable. I don't know, he has his moments too, but but Eric Dyer, who I suppose would certainly be a, a week-in, week-out starter um, for Spurs, I mean, he just had a complete and utter brain fart um, to concede a, a corner, which, of course, they then go and score from, typical. Um, so, yeah, like Spurs were awful for the vast majority of that game, Stephen. And, you know, we can talk about World Cup and, and uh, oh, are you watching this Newcastle game? I'm just after seeing Almiron absolutely ghosting through the Leicester City defence. Yeah, in fact, just, uh, I'm going to break you off there, Shane. We'll pick that up in a moment. But uh, there was a goal very early on at St. James's Park. We're going to hear about that from the reporter Live, sorry, I should say, it's not St. James's Park, it's the King Power Stadium. Live there for us is Adam Jury. Leicester nil, Newcastle won just three minutes on the clock as Chris Wood has put the Magpies in front from the penalty spot. It was a touch from Joel Linton as he ran into the penalty area. Daniel Amati tried to kick the ball away, instead took out the Brazilian. The referee pointed to the spot, definite foul, definite penalty. Chris Wood stepped up and hit it hard into the middle of the goal. It's Leicester nil, Newcastle won. Oh, I tell you, Newcastle are really putting on a, a push there to keep uh, Manchester City and Arsenal honest towards the end of the season. There's been a goal as well at Goodison Park. We'll have details on that in a moment. Uh, but it's a significant game from an Irish perspective as well because we've got two Irish starters in the Wolves team. We've got Nathan Collins playing at centre-half and the number 59, Joe Hodge, making his first Premier League start for Wolverhampton Wanderers, playing alongside Ruben Neves and João Moutinho. It's incredible, Shane. Uh, listen, I, I got off and stick on this show before, Stephen. Um, more than once, more than once, Shane. Stick Joe Hodge. <laughs> more than once, more than once. But on this particular occasion, in relation in relation to Joe Hodge, I I, uh, I went up to the RSC in Waterford to watch an Irish show. Uh, I don't know what he was at the time, under 16, under 17 game, maybe there, thereabouts. Um, and I just I couldn't believe it. Like, Joe Hodge could not possibly have impressed me more. He was unbelievable in the same game and it wasn't that he scored loads of goals or was you know ghost and pass players it was just I, I hadn't seen an Irish player able to dictate the tempo of a game like that in a long 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 time um, look he's, he's probably a little bit different than a Roy Keane kind of player but but in terms of presence and control in a game he had that but playing wise you know I came on the show I was on the show a couple of days after that and I said he's 
I said he's half Iniesta, half Xavi. And obviously, I wasn't saying he was of the standard of Iniesta or Xavi, which is what people were jumping on me, jumping down my throat for. All I was saying was his playing style. Um, he seemed to be able to go deep and, and pick the ball up from the back four and, and knock it around. Um, and yet, when the ball went up over the halfway line, he'd appear higher up the field and get on it and start playing passes in around there and trying to tread balls through more so in the style of Iniesta. Um, and I just couldn't have been more impressed by him. So I've been... I've had eyes on him ever since. I really, really have. I was, I was so disappointed there a couple of seasons ago when he signed for Derry, signed for Derry City. Stephen, hard to, hard to believe mm. on on loan from Manchester City at the time, and actually got injured before he ever kicked the ball for them. Got injured in training. I would have loved to have seen how he would have done for half a season or however long they had managed to get him. To, he was supposed to be coming to Derry for, but unbelievable to think that he's 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 in the starting team for Wolves all, already. It really, really is, and it'll be really interesting to see how he does today. It sure will. Well, they're trading by a goal to nil. Yerry Mina to score for Everton. Uh, <coughs> interesting to see. There was a bit of handbags there with Yerry Mina. And guess who off the Wolves team? It was, of course, Diego Costa, a man never far away from any handbags either <laughs> taking part in the pitch or taking place in the pitch. But it's good to see. I like Diego Costa. I like the way he knows opposition players. Um, on the Everton bench, there's no uh, Irish starters in the Everton team, but Seamus Coleman, of course, the Irish skipper, on the bench there alongside a young man by the name of Tom Cannon, who was born in Aintree but qualifies for Ireland. He's played underage for Ireland. I'm not too sure if you're familiar with Tom Cannon, if you've heard the name before, Shane. 19 years I've come across the name. I ha- I'll be honest, I haven't seen him play yet. I couldn't tell you very, very much about him, but I have heard the name going around in, in, in circles and he does seem to be pretty pretty highly regarded. Now, look again, you'd imagine he's a bit away from from, from breaking into the side yet. Um, but it also, just it is disappointing to see Seamus drop out of the side again. He had a good run in, this, in the team while, while Patterson was out. Um, I'm trying to think. He had one particular game. I saw a full Everton game where he was, he was really good on the day. I was hoping he might be able to hold young young Patterson off when he got back, but uh, I I think he might have had a, a poor last game if I remember correctly before the before the World Cup break. So yeah, Patterson nicking back in in front of him again. There is some other Irish involvement. Uh, we'll give you that in a moment, though, because just to give you details on that goal at Goodison Park, uh, there for us is Shane Pennington. It's Everton 1, Wolves nil. on the bottom side behind once again and it's from a set piece, a corner from the right hand side, curled in from Dwight McNeil, a left footed in swinger finding the head of Yerry Mina, six yards out, who pumped a header into the back of the net, it's Everton 1, Wolves nil. Not an ideal start to the day for Nathan Collins playing in the, the Wolves defence there this afternoon with Joe Hodge in midfield. The other Irish players involved in Premier League action today, Gavin Bazuno, of course starting in goal for Southampton who are playing against Brighton that also at 3 o'clock kickoff, and then as I mentioned Tom Cannon Seamus Coleman on the Everton bench there as well we've also got Andrew Moran and Ever- uh, sorry, Evan Ferguson on the bench for Brighton there in action against Southampton of course with Gavin Bazunu in their team and uh, looking ahead to uh, the game tomorrow I wanted to talk to you about Shane as well because uh, before we get into the de- into the real deep stuff today's action and uh, no other goals to report just as, as of yet um, but Manchester United, I want to go back to them. We mentioned there at the top of the show. How do you assess, assess, I should say, their World Cup contingent? Yeah, look, it's going to be it's going to be interesting to see how they respond post World Cup. It really, really is because obviously you have the players coming back from the World Cup, and you have one, you have one very notable fellow not coming back from the World Cup. Um, well, actually, just very, on very that, interesting. interesting on that, Lissandra Martinez. It was interesting to read the quotes from Eric Ten Hag. He said, uh, Martinez is still celebrating in Argentina. I can understand that it's very emotional. Winning the World Cup for your country is magnificent. The highest you can be. 
But also, Martinez has to accept that on the 27th, the Premier League will go on. <laughs> Gee, I, I'll tell you, Stephen, I'll admit, I was unaware of that. Fellow, I was referring to as Ronaldo. Yeah. Um, I, hadn't even, I, wasn't, I wasn't even aware of, of Martinez, I'd say. That's no surprise to me now that Martinez likes a party. He is that sort of a head on him. All yeah. right, doesn't he? He's a bit of a, a bit of a wild streak in him. That's for sure. But but no, the Ronaldo thing you mentioned as well that that should give United a bit of a release, surely. It will. It will. It will. Look, and I suppose the one person, Stephen, that you're really looking at is is Bruno Fernandez. Um, I mean, you know, you look at Bruno Fernandez before Ronaldo's arrival, and he was. Absolutely incredible. I mean, you, a game didn't go by whereby he didn't either finish the game with a goal or an assist. He was he was unbelievable. And then Ronaldo arrived, and I don't know, you know, the media played up a little bit. We had that incident where where at the start of the World Cup in the dressing room, I don't know whether they get on well or whether they don't get on well. But one thing is for sure, Ronaldo's presence seemed to have a negative effect on on Bruno Fernandez in the in the United jersey, and it also looked like that in the World Cup as well. He seemed to enjoy life a lot more when Ronaldo wasn't when Ronaldo wasn't on the field. Um, I thought Bruno Fernandez was outstanding in the World Cup. I don't think he could have done any more for Portugal. I really, really thought he was he was top notch. I, I would have him in my my World Cup team in the tournament, to be honest with you. Um, and they're going to need. That, that Bruno Fernandez now to return at, at club level for them. Um, Rashford is the other one, obviously, who, who did very, very well. Um, the lot did very, very well. Hard to believe who would have predicted that he would have ended up in the side ahead of ahead of Joe Cancelo. Um, so he he did very, very well for them as well. Varane up until the final, I thought was very good. I mean, Casemiro, I thought was very good. Yeah. You're going through all these, all these fellas who were... Uh, stars of a World Cup and I mean if you were to you know if you were to look at that many players who were impressive and you put them all in one club side you'd be saying surely that's a team that's kind of competing for a league title now they're a long long way off of that but you would think they are in a position to have a decent second half of the season I would have thought Yes most definitely the latest scores after 15 minutes Crystal Palace nil, Fulham nil in the Premier League it's Everton 1 Wolves nil. Southampton nil, Brighton won. The Seagulls have just scored in that game at St Mary's. And to bring you up to date from St James's Park, where it's Leicester nil, Newcastle. I keep saying St James's Park, the King Power Stadium. Stephen, <laughs> Leicester City nil, Newcastle United two. Here's Adam Jury. Leicester nil, Newcastle two. Miguel Almiron has doubled the Magpies' advantage just seven minutes into this match, showing the Magpies are continuing exactly where they left off before the World Cup. The Paraguayan gave a quick give and go from the right-hand side with Guimaraes, who played him into the penalty area. He was through one-on-one with Ward, kept his composure, slotted it low with his left foot into the bottom left corner of the net, and now it's Leicester nil, Newcastle two. Now, two men who did impress at the World Cup, but they're not Manchester United players but they could be in January, are Cody Gakpo and Frankie de Jong, of course, the two Dutch men. Cody Gakpo started out as a, as a midfielder in that tournament for the uh, for the Orangi, but then get, got pushed forward by uh, his manager, Louis van Gaal. Uh, Frankie de Jong, we know what he can do. Uh, he seems to be, I suppose, getting better with Barcelona, who are uh, playing, a bit of, playing some games, you'd say, with Manchester United, perhaps in the transfer market, trying to push up his price by saying that they're not interested in selling him. Uh, there seems to be a lot of talk that United will get these two players. How do you think they could improve United, do you think there's a chance they will get them? Yeah, yeah, I think they are probably going to push hard to try and get them in. Um, you'd imagine there's a huge uh, there's a huge relief gone off the wage bill, I suppose, with, with Ronaldo's departure. That's going to free up uh, money for, for salaries, certainly so it is, Stephen. Um, yeah, you'd imagine they'd both be, they'd be good additions. Um, 
Ericsson was was really really excellent towards the the start of this season so he is but he's just dipped a bit of late and uh, there's probably an over reliance on him in terms of creativity from deep so if they could get somebody like Frankie De Jong in I don't know what's going on with with, with Frankie De Jong in Barcelona that the whole thing didn't work out there like when he went there I expected that to be seamless because he's an outstanding individual footballer and he seemed to be going to a side that I thought would suit him down to the ground and he'd be on the rise but He's been very, very, very hit and miss there. He really, really has. But, you know, I was wondering, had he gone off the boil altogether? Is he, you know, is he not the player he was? But looking at him in the World Cup, I thought he was excellent again. I really, really did. And he'd be a huge addition to them. Gagpo, naturally enough as well, um, with Ronaldo's departure, they're going to they're going to be looking for somebody up there. Um, Rashford, I thought, had a very good World Cup. Could he establish himself as an out-and-out nine? You know, he nearly suffers from his own... The fact that he works so hard, Stephen, I think team, you know, I think managers like fielding him at, at, at right or left midfield because he can be guaranteed he'll he'll go up and down the line for you all day. He probably suffers from that a little bit. I'd say if you asked him himself, he'd, ra- he'd probably rather be the out and out nine. Martial, what more is there to say about him? He has ability. We all know he has ability. And on days where it goes right for him, he still impresses. But, I mean, do you want to be relying if, if you're if you're trying to make the push at ensuring Champions League qualification and, and trying to kick on? Do you want to be relying on Martial week in, week out? I don't think many United fans would. Um, so the Gakpo one makes sense to me as well. Um, and, yeah, I think there'll be a few pound at Old Trafford now come January. And I, I wouldn't be at all surprised to see them get, get one or both. Now, as I mentioned, Southampton nil, Brighton won at St Mary's. There for us is Peter Wood. Southampton nil, Brighton won. Adam Lalana against his former club with a deft header has given the visitors the lead. It's no more than they deserve. They've been the brighter of the two sides. They've had the possession and an excellent cross from the right saw Lalana glance ahead header which Bazuno just couldn't keep out. They've gone close on a couple of other occasions when Bazuno had to be sharp to keep out uh, an effort from Matuma and it's the Seagulls on top. Southampton nil, Brighton won. Yes, interesting scoreline there. Brighton, of course, against Southampton, their South Coast rivals. Uh, I wanted to ask you as well, Shane, because Manchester United uh, get their Premier League season back underway tomorrow against Nottingham Forest. Uh, Interestingly, at Nottingham Forest, and they were, I think, the break came for them at such a bad time because after such a you know, poor start, a dreadful start to the season. Um, they went on a nice little run. They had a draw against Brentford 2-2 in the Premier League. They had a win against uh, Tottenham in the EFL Cup. And then another victory before they went on a break. Uh, they go away to Old Trafford tomorrow to take on Manchester United in the 8 o'clock kickoff. Their last uh, win, I should mention, was against Crystal Palace before the break. But uh, Andy Reid, of course, assistant manager there to Steve Cooper. And uh, just from a coaching perspective... And Andy Reid, one of those men who's been uh, he's been working at Nottingham Forest uh, for quite a while now and has been getting his badges, all that kind of stuff. But he's, this experience that he gets as an assistant manager at a Premier League club is going to be invaluable. Oh, it'll be hugely helpful to him. Absolutely hugely helpful to him, no doubt. Um, to be operating at, at, at that level is probably more than, he could have, um, more than he could have wished for himself. I know he's been involved with the Irish underage teams as well. Um, look, he, 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 he seemed to go into coaching very very quickly um, from when when his football playing days wrapped up and I suppose if you look back to his playing style Stephen he's nearly one that you could have predicted maybe might have went down that route he was always a thinker on the pitch wasn't he you could you know he was always a fella trying to to see the pass and and think about the movements to make and, and that sort of thing so it, it doesn't surprise me um, looking at Forest overall I mean 
you know, sure. I mean, it, it's hardly a surprise to anybody that it, it, it took them quite a while to, to settle down. I mean, the number of incomings there to Club Stephen was quite incredible. It really, really was. Um, and I couldn't agree more with you that, that the timing of the break is was very, very bad for them because they were finally putting in a, a bit of a run and discovering a little bit of form. Now, I don't know. I haven't looked through the Forest team. Would they have had money away at the World Cup? I wouldn't have thought so. So, like, in one way, maybe it'll work in their favour. You know, if he's had a, an awful lot of his players available to him for the last uh, month or more, and he's been able to work through things on the training ground, you know, maybe maybe this is actually a good thing for them. You know, <laughs> he probably would have liked a hell of a lot more time with them before the season kicked off at all. So now he's got that time. Let's see what he's what he's managed to do now that the players have got to know each other better. He's got to know them. You know, they've got to know what he wants from them. We might see a... We might see them continue that that bit of an upturn in fortunes. Yes, absolutely, and uh, you're right there. There was really just a handful of Welsh players and uh, Czech Kuyate who were involved for Nottingham Forest at the World Cup. So I'm sure their players will all be feeling fresh and uh, and will fancy an upset at Old Trafford. It's going to be an interesting game that they are off the bottom of the table as well, which is a huge boost for for Nottingham Forest because there's nothing more demoralising than trying to uh, lift yourself off the bottom of the table. The team who are on the bottom of the table at the moment have just got an equaliser at Goodison Park. They're a quarter of the way through the match. There, it's Everton one, Wolves one. We'll have details on that after our break but uh, just before we go to the break you've heard myself and Shane talk about United's fortunes so far this season as they take on Forest tomorrow 2023 might finally be the year where United fans see their club out of the hands of the Glazer family who are looking to sell it could be the end of a reign of terror for the Red Half of Manchester but some people are warning that you better be careful what you wish for before the Christmas break Nathan Murphy caught up with the man on the ground with all things Manchester United related Andy Mitten the United We Stand man uh, discussed where the club will go and who are the preferred bidders some people wouldn't want to stop that happening that's the issue that you've got what happened after the Glazers took over is the the match going fan base was split and that led to the formation of FC United who've been a success so a few thousand hardcore Manchester United fans, you know, hardcore, people who went home and away, um, walked. They said, we can't stomach this. We're going to have courage in our convictions and we're going to go and support FC United. The vast majority continued to support Manchester United. There was a real life split there. It was awful in, in the real world, not online, in the real world. And since then, United's fan base has, has grown significantly. So you see the popularity, partly because the Premier League's become more and more popular and the different demographics want different things. I see that in my own journalism. If I write articles over issues which I felt strongly about over the years, including the stadium redevelopment uh, or ticket prices, that is of no concern to a lot of people who call themselves Manchester United fans because they've never been to a game. They'll never go to a game. There's nothing wrong with that. But different people want different things. And I remember when I first wrote about Old Trafford needing to be expanded, needing to be redeveloped, I got a lot of comments like, never mind that, we need to be signing whoever you know the best player in the world was at the moment. So people want very, very different things. I think whoever takes over Manchester United has got to be a responsible custodian. I'd like to see them involve the supporters. I'd like to to see them be significantly better owners than the Glazers, not load debt onto the club and just harness that global support 
but I'm sounding idealistic there. Mm. And is an American hedge fund going to share those ideals? Is a state sovereign wealth fund going to share those ideals? Yes and no. So it's going to be very interesting what's going to happen next. Off the Ball's football coverage is brought to you by Sky. Don't miss Manchester United versus Nottingham Forest tomorrow night live on Premier Sports. We're approaching the half-hour mark in the four Premier League games currently in action. Crystal Palace nil, Fulham nil, Everton 1, Wolves 1, Leicester City nil, Newcastle 2, Southampton nil, Brighton 1. We'll have all the details of that latest goal at Goodison Park with Shane Bennington after the break. You're very welcome back to Off the Ball on this St. Stephen's Day Sunday afternoon and the latest scores in the Premier League Crystal Palace nil, Fulham nil, Everton 1, Wolves 1, Leicester City nil, Newcastle 2, Southampton nil, Brighton 1. Stephen Doyle here with you throughout the afternoon with Shane Keegan discussing all things Premier League and wider football of course. It looks like a real cracker at Goodison Park I have to say. The latest goal has been watched there by Shane Pennington. It's Everton 1, Wolves 1 and another goal from a set piece, this time a Wolves corner from the left to the edge of the box finding Yao Moutinho, he half volleyed it back into the area and there at the back post on the volley was Daniel Pedence to equalise for Wolves slightly home from six yards out. It's Everton 1, Wolves 1. Now, if you're an English Championship fan, not a huge amount of goals to talk about there. Bristol City nil, West Brom one after half an hour. It's Hull City nil, Blackpool one, Middlesbrough one, Wigan nil, and the other three games scoreless. Preston at home to Huddersfield, Stoker at Rotherham, and Sheffield United are entertaining Coventry City. As I mentioned, Shane Keegan alongside me here this afternoon, and uh, Shane. Later on this evening, uh, Liverpool are taking on Aston Villa in the Premier League. Interesting in the build-up to this game, another man who was a star at the World Cup, Jude Bellingham, seems to be on the lips of the Liverpool manager Jurgen Klopp. He doesn't like uh, really talking about transfer targets. So it was interesting to hear him heaping praise on this man, Jude Bellingham. I have to say, and I'm not just saying this to be a football hipster, Shane, I've been keeping an eye on Jude Bellingham for quite a while, especially after they retired his shirt at Birmingham City when he signed for Borussia Dortmund. But uh, this fella has been playing brilliant stuff for Dortmund for a couple of seasons now. He's been excellent. I thought Gareth Southgate should have had him in the England team for the European Championship um, in England last year. He didn't. He did in the World Cup and he was arguably England's best player. I don't know what you think about him, but uh, is there a possibility that the Liverpool owners who are looking possibly to sell the club are going to loosen the purse strings to allow Jurgen Klopp spend, I don't know, a nine-figure sum on, on Jude Bellingham? And if they do, what's he going to add to this Liverpool team? Yeah, well, I suppose, first of all, Stephen, I probably don't mind holding my hand up and admitting I, I, I wouldn't have been as, well, obviously I'm aware of him, don't get me wrong, obviously we were all aware of him, but I, I wouldn't have expected what I saw in the World Cup from him. I, I didn't realise he was that good. My God, he is good. And I suppose I should have really, as you said, to retire his jersey of Birmingham and I think <laughs> captain of Dortmund already, is he? Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, you know, they're both remarkable things already in a, in a very young man's career for him to, to happen to him. But I couldn't have been more impressed with him at the World Cup, Stephen. I thought he was, first and foremost, he's an absolute athlete. My God, like just if he stands in front of you togged out, you know you've probably got a player on your hands before you ever see him kicking a ball. He's an absolute athlete. The way he bounds around the pitch is, is just incredible. He, he eats up the ground, um, but obviously extremely well able to use the ball as well. Look, it's it's no surprise whatsoever that Liverpool 
or anybody would, would want him. I mean, he would be, there's hardly a team in the world that he would be in addition to um, Stephen. And this is the problem that, uh, this is the problem that Liverpool are going to have is surely they're not the only, surely they're not the only suitors for him. You would imagine everybody is, is going to want a piece of him. Um, I thought he was outstanding. I really, really did. Attitude um, seems to be very, very, very good as well. He, he's taken every single box. What's the price going to be, Stephen? What what is the price? Whatever the price was before the World Cup, I mean, you can lob another probably 30, 40, 50 million um, on top of that on the back of what he did because he was he was. I thought along with I thought along with Gakpo at at uh, or um, Gakpo, uh, Guardiol, sorry Guardiol at, mm. at at Croatia. I thought they were two standout young players um, at the World Cup. I know Fernandez won the won the trophy for young player and probably deservedly so given the, the all-round thing. But just in terms of really catching the eye, um, yeah, I, he was right up there for me. And look, Liverpool are certainly gone into charm offensive. It seemed to be a case that <laughs> Jordan Henderson spent his World Cup um, t- trying to talk him into, into the joys and delights of, of, of Liverpool um, and everything that they could do for him. And um, yeah, look, I'm not, I'm not immediately... Like... I'm not privy to any inside knowledge there, Shane, but it does seem that he he has a desire perhaps to play for Jurgen Klopp. That's the kind of feeling I get from it, the sense I get from it. Um, but also added to that, I think it's a player, or he is a player that would play well in a Jurgen Klopp team. And I think he's a player that perhaps would easily find a starting place in that current Liverpool midfield. Yeah, well, this is where... Ah, uh, look, Jordan Henderson is the sort of fella who probably splits opinions uh, still to a certain extent in that he's not the most silky footballer. But but I I love him, right? I love him, and the reason I bring him up here again is, again, he is showing here one of the reasons why I love him is that for me he's completely selfless and he is all about the team, the team, the team, right? And what's he trying to do? He's essentially gone in the charm offensive, trying to sign the player who's going to make him redundant. Um, because that's exactly what will happen. Jude Bellingham will be a Jordan Henderson-like player, but a significant uh, step up, a significant step up. He has everything Henderson has in terms of work rate and application and bounding around the field and closing opposition down, but obviously in terms of what he can do with the ball himself and, and those physical attributes, he's he's substantially ahead of, uh, of uh, ahead of where Jordan Henderson probably ever was in, in his career. But I love that. I love the fact that Jordan Henderson is, is basically saying, look, Come and come and come and take my jersey. Come and come and replace me, both as a midfielder, as a leader within this club. You know, I I I I think it's it's a no brainer. It's a no. And why wouldn't you want to play for Klopp? Again, let's be honest. You're saying that you, you think he might like to play for Klopp. I mean, who wouldn't? You know, again, he's that sort of fella. There's an infectious enthusiasm about him. You know, there's hardly a player in the world who wouldn't like to play under him. I would have thought. Oh, I mentioned that. Uh... Life going well for an Antrim man by the name of Josh Rock at the PDC World Darts Championship. He's in action tomorrow in the third round. But a fellow Antrim man, Brendan Rogers, is having a terrible day today. It's Leicester City nil, Newcastle United three, ten minutes before the half time break. Adam Jury reports from the King Power Stadium. Leicester nil, Newcastle 3, Joe Linton with the goal that almost certainly has put this match out of reach for the Foxes, but really a lot of the credit has to go to Kieran Trippier. Not only did he win a corner from absolutely nothing, but he then managed to put in a beautiful outswinging corner into the middle of the box. There was Joe Linton, tall, pretty much unmarked, and he ran into the space, hit it in with the header, back of the net, Leicester nil, Newcastle 3. Shane, you look really puzzled there when I start talking about darts. 
and perhaps you're looking <laughs> as puzzled as Brendan Rodgers perhaps is at the King Power Stadium thinking what the hell is going on here Newcastle United 3 nil up two, two things <laughs> yeah well two things there Stephen first of all I love the darts <laughs> um, so I've been enjoying that and looking forward to it kicking back off tomorrow I really really am but um, no I'm, I'm watching this game on the screen you've probably seen me peering down out of what my eyes here I have the, the split screening going on here at the moment I'm watching the game it, look, I know you can question the standard of the opposition, but Newcastle have been absolutely devastating here. They've been fantastic. They really, really have. Uh, all of the goals have been really, really impressive in 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 different ways. I suppose the build up for the penalty, and then like Almiron's goal is. I mean, get a look at it later on. Almiron's goal is fantastic, and it's amazing. Like if imagine telling anybody. I know Jack Grealish has been getting a bit of stick about it, <laughs> but imagine saying to anybody at the start of this season that come the end of December, there would be genuine talk of Almiron having been the standout player in the Premier League this season. He he has been fantastic. And I'll tell you, they're a decent side. I mean, you won't get a better fullback in the league than Trippier. You won't get a better midfield. Bruno Gramera is really, really impressive me. I think he's outstanding as well. Um, but yeah, you'd have to feel for poor poor Brendan. This could finish any scored way it's looking at the moment. Yeah, and he just started to turn the tide, it seemed, before the break for the World Cup. But as it stands now, Newcastle, Albeit they've played two more games than Arsenal and Manchester City. They've split the top two now. As it stands, they're on 33 points. Four points off the top where Arsenal are sitting. The latest scores there, Crystal Palace nil, Fulham won. There's been a red card as well for the Eagles down at Selhurst Park to get the latest from there. Here's Alan Lewis. Goal flash, goal flash from uh, Palace Fulham in 3-2-1. Crystal Palace nil, Fulham won. The visitors have got the lead. They probably deserve from this first half. Alexandra Mitrovic, this time turning provider. A wonderful cross from the right-hand side. And there was Bobby Dikotova reed with a glancing header into the bottom corner from six yards out. It's Crystal Palace nil, Fulham won. Ah, yes, my producer Aidan Delaney there with a face as red as Rudolph's nose. You've got a peek behind the curtain there in broadcasting with the goal flash, goal flash. That's what we get sent down the lines. No problem, Aidan. Happens to the best of us. You're having a day like Brendan Rogers, perhaps. I'm only joking. <laughs> the yeah, other Steve, Stephen, don't, Stephen, don't feel, don't feel too bad. I was, I was driving into town earlier on and, and today FM went off air for about four minutes. We could hear the poor man in the background talking away. <laughs> say nothing, say nothing. Okay, it's uh, Crystal Palace nil, Fulham won. Uh, there, the red card came just very recently there, so uh, we're, we've got no report on that. But Tariq Mitchell, the man who's been sent off for Crystal Palace, and uh, I was just looking at the stats for that game. It did seem that uh, Palace were under the cost there big time against Fulham. Uh, one of my favourite players, Alexander Mitrovic, starting for the Colleges in that game as well. So they're winning by a goal to nail at Selhurst Park. Everton Wolves won, still the scoreline at Goodison Park. 40 minutes on the clock. Newcastle still 3 0 up away to Leicester City. Brighton have got a second goal against Southampton. Oh, it's uh, Gavin Bazunu. you got to feel from Shane because you watch games that Southampton are involved in and he plays really well. He pulls off some amazing saves. But they just—I I don't know what you what you do in this situation because it's surely eating away at his confidence. Yeah, it has to be. And I was—I'll be honest, Stephen—I was a little bit worried for him when the, the change in manager um, came in. I thought, you know, if you're a new manager in and you're looking at your team being down down around the bottom and you're looking for reasons why, maybe one of the conclusions you'll jump to is that we have a very, very, very young goalkeeper, and is he is he equipped to be a be fighting in a relegation battle with so much pressure on him but but he's stuck with him he is stuck with him um 
thankfully for for all of us because I think we're all well aware that he's he is an absolutely outstanding keeper. But I don't know. I actually read another piece about him yesterday. I think it was was it in the Indo? I'm not 100 percent sure. Um, another piece about Bazuno yesterday and. I mean, the one thing every single person who ever passed comment on him, yes, they talk about the, the religious talent and all of that, but nearly more so everybody, everybody passes comment on his attitude and how they'd never encountered such a level-headed young man and such a fellow with such desire to make the most of himself and all of that kind of thing. So I think, thankfully, he's probably a safe head in that sense. I don't think he's the kind that's ever going to get too high or too low Regardless of what's going on around him, but he's he's going. If he look, if he has got that that fantastic level of maturity already, he's he's going to need every bit of it in in the current tournament, isn't he? He sure is. A bit like Jude Bellingham, the man we spoke about earlier on. That kind of attitude, uh, an old head on young shoulders, as they say. You're very welcome back to Off the Ball on this St. Stephen's Day Sunday afternoon. We're nearing the halftime whistles in all the games across the UK. Uh, just to give you the latest in the championship, it's Bristol City nil, West Brom 1. Hull City trailing at home to Blackpool by a goal to nil. Middlesbrough 1-0 up at home against Wigan. It's Preston 1, Huddersfield Town 0. Stoke and Rotherham are scoreless while at Sheffield United 1, Coventry 0. Earlier this afternoon, Watford were beaten by Millwall, two goals to nil at Vicarage Road. Watford finished the game with 10 men, and it was Sunderland 2, Blackburn Rovers 1. Now, in the Premier League, as we near the half-time break, it's Southampton 0, Brighton 2, Leicester City 0, Newcastle 3, Everton 1, Wolves 1, and 10-man Crystal Palace are training by a goal to nil at home against Fulham. But to give you the latest from St Mary's, Brighton leading Southampton, Southampton two goals to nil. Here's Peter Hood. Southampton nil, Brighton two, and the away fans singing away to our right, enjoying their afternoon as they double their lead just before the half-time break. Good play down the left-hand side. It was Esther Poon's uh, cross from the left-hand side and a good ball that left Bazunu, the keeper, stranded. And all Roman Perreau could do <coughs> was push the ball into his own net with Solly Marks right behind. It's Southampton nil, Brighton two. Irish defender Greg Cunningham is on the score sheet for Preston in their match. Uh, they're leading by a goal to nil at home to Huddersfield Town. Uh, Shay Keegan just uh, coming to the halftime break and uh, we're discussing Newcastle United leading three goals to nil away to Leicester City. And um, like I know, they've got played a couple of games more than the two sides who were at the top before today's games. But do you envisage them making a bit of a push for the Premier League title this season? I think I, I don't think they'll push for the title, Stephen. No, I don't. But I, I, I do think they'll have a hell of a chance of, of Champions League qualifying for Champions League football. Um, and that's partly because I've been impressed with them, but also partly because haven't been overly impressed by any of the other ones that are going to contend for the weight. Like, obviously, Liverpool really haven't got going at all at all yet. Now, I do expect them to eventually click into gear properly and, and, and make a surge up the table. But... Like, as I said, it's currently it's currently ourselves, it's currently Tottenham that are are still in the Champions League spots. I would have absolutely no faith whatsoever in in Tottenham getting a, a Champions League spot. If I'm honest, um, Chelsea, you know, don't look to be having a, a great season. If you look back to the year Leicester won the league, like not to take anything away from Leicester that season, but Leicester were very impressive. But what worked nearly more so for them was that there was a you know there was a collapse in the form of of two or three of the other big sides. It's similar again this year. You've got two or three of the big six. Um, really, Arsenal and City are the only two that have impressed. Um, Spurs, Man United, 
Chelsea, Liverpool, they've all shown a huge amount of flaws um, so far this season. So it's it's an ideal season for somebody to try and make a burst at it in the way that I suppose Everton used to do under David Moyes, let's say, where they were hoping some one of the big teams would perform and they could nick in ahead of them. Um, the team has been fantastic for Newcastle in that sense because... Like, would they realistically, I know they've spent a fortune, don't get me wrong, but would they realistically have expected to be in the Champions League positions at the end of this season? I don't think they would. I think they would have been building towards it and saying that the following year was the one where it, it, it kind of must happen. So if, they, if the project can be one year ahead of where it's supposed to be, I'm sure, uh, I'm sure the money men there will be very, very happy, you know. Yeah, they certainly will. We've just seen the halftime whistle blown at Goodison Park. It is Everton 1, Wolves 1. The goal scorers Mina for Everton after 7 minutes. Pudence getting the equaliser for Wolves after 22 minutes. In the rugby, there is, of course, United Rugby Championship action taking place this evening when Leinster take on Munster at Thomond Park. That one kicking off at 7.35. The latest uh, between Dragons and Cardiff. It's Dragons 14 Cardiff 22 after a very slow start in that game. There's been a lot of points scored and tries. They played 64 minutes of action in that game. In the Premier League, we're waiting for the halftime whistles to be blown around at the other grounds. They've just blown up at uh, St Mary's where it's Southampton nil, Brighton 2. And it's uh, still Leicester City nil, Newcastle 3. Three minutes into out of time there. And they're two minutes into out of time at Selhurst Park where it's Crystal Palace nil. Fulham won. Just to go back to Liverpool Aston Villa um, that of course taking place at Villa Park and uh, you were just alluding to the fact there that Liverpool haven't had a great season so far and um, they've been disappointing but they did start to I suppose get themselves up the table um, before the World Cup break uh, do you think that Jurgen Klopp has kind of solved the problems that they were having at the start of the season? Yeah they're motoring a little bit better um, alright Stephen so they are but yeah, look, I think they'll click like they have to. There's too much quality there for them not to 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 click into into full gear. Really, I think to be honest with you, you would imagine that somebody like Salah having you know the amount of time off that he has and having to sit on his arse and and, and watch a World Cup, you would think his appetite and his hunger to put his name back in lights. Well, you know he'll he'll have been missing the limelight that everybody else was getting out in out in Qatar, and I can. I can definitely see him making a burst and potentially returning to to his top form. Um, in the middle of the field, I suppose the problem was was injuries, wasn't it? They, mm. they seemed to really struggle to get kind of a first choice midfield tree back onto the pitch. Um, you would think the time off there has helped as well. I, I was looking at some predicted lineups for the game um, this evening, and you know, by and large, they seem to think it'll be. Fabino, Fabino, Thiago and Henderson back as a midfield three. Um, I don't think they've had that a huge amount so far this season. The big, big question mark, um, and I think he remains equally as big a question mark after the World Cup because he was probably more more missed than hit, is, is Darwin Nunes, Stephen. You know, there was a lot of money spent there. Um, you know, he was billed as a, as a huge addition and he's had some very big low high he's had a couple of highs and some lows um already so far in his short time at the club and i think the the jury is very very much out on him it really could go either of two ways like he's the one thing is he he's always involved there's always a story on the back of him in a game he's either scored one or two or he's missed three or four or he's headbutted somebody or he's he's always he'll always do something you'll never be shy of headlines with him around um but i think liverpool fans are Still to be completely sold on him. Um, I was actually, I was actually to see saying, how he I was does. very, very impressed with him 
in the game against Fulham at the start of the season. I thought he linked up really well with Mo Salah, and you're kind of thinking, oh, this this fella has something because, yeah, you, you know, um, he, he obviously gets suspended then because he got the red card, and that kind of I suppose set him back a little bit because there's a lot of time wasted then where he could have been forming relationships with the players around him, but. I would have defended him quite a lot, I have to say, over the last number of weeks uh, or before the World Cup break. But then you see him in action for Uruguay and he's squandering chances. We saw it again the other night against Manchester City in the EFL Cup. And you're just thinking, I think you're right, Shane, the jury really is still out in him. And I think he needs to get a goal or two just to maybe help his own confidence. Yeah, he, he just, at the moment, now look, as I say, strikers can go through periods, but at the moment he just doesn't look clinical, does he? Um, and that's that's the biggest concern. Like, I suppose to be fair to him at the World Cup, you know, he was kind of being shunted around the place a little bit here and there to, to accommodate... Um, accommodate it was a mixture yeah, of Luis Suarez. Suarez was one I knew. Yeah, yeah and, and Edison Cavani even. Um, and he, he had to be fielded out wide a lot and... I know Liverpool have used him out there as well. I think I think he he would relish an opportunity through the middle. I think he's probably going to get that this evening. Um, I think there's a good chance he will start right through the middle for them this evening. It'll be interesting to see how he'll go there. But um, yeah, look, the other one, by the way, Stephen, to throw into the mix in terms of not really knowing what we're getting at the moment is is Trent. Um, mm. Because you know, I, I'll be honest, I'm a huge huge fan of his. Um, like I think he's, you know, it's amazing that a right back can be probably in the top five most creative players in the Premier League in terms of the amount of chances he can he can create and his play. And I just find his whole backstory, you know, converting himself into a right back because he saw that has been his best opportunity to get into a Liverpool side. But you know, there's been a, quite a few occasions this season where. Even me, as somebody who likes him and tries to defend him when I can, I, I would usually argue what he gives you going forward, I'd suck up what he, what he lacks defensively. But, Jesus, there's been times this year where he's, he's been awful. Like, it, it hasn't even just been, you know, I can handle I can handle an error, a positional sense error, or, or letting a player maybe go past him the odd time, but just looks disinterested in the, in the act of defending. This yeah. season, almost it it just it holds no no weight with him whatsoever, which is is unforgivable, really. And they're going to need him to to book up and 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 start giving more of a defensive shift because look, going forward, he's he's still an outstanding player. Absolutely, Shane. There's been lots of goals around the Premier League and uh, we're going to listen to uh, some of the updates from around the grounds after the four o'clock news and there'll also be a preview. We'll look ahead to uh, West Ham Arsenal. That's going to be a cracking London derby tonight at eight o'clock. Good afternoon and welcome back to Off the Ball on this St. Stephen's Day Sunday afternoon. It is Stephen Doyle in the presenter's chair with you for the next hour alongside Shane Keegan, keeping an eye on all the Premier League football afternoon for the afternoon and uh, just to bring up any talking points that come along with that. Uh, before we move into our chat once again, we'll just uh, take some halftime reports from around the grounds. It's Everton 1, Wolves 1 at Goodison Park there for us is Shane Pennington. It's Everton 1, Wolves 1. It was the home side who took the lead on seven minutes. Dwight McNeil with a corner headed home by Yerry Mina from six yards out. But within 17 minutes, the Wolves had equalised. Daniel Perence from another set piece. A corner from Matinho out to the right-hand side. The volley back into the box. And there was Perence at the back post to slot beyond Jordan Pickford. After that, chances were really at a premium and an error-strewn first half. Diego Costa saw a header save by Pickford. Whilst at the other end, two real good chances for Everton. Gay found Gordon one-on-one. -on -one 
one but Saar saved well and then Neil Mope with a 20 yard effort also was denied by the Wolves goalkeeper well to play for in the second half then Everton won Wolves won watching Leicester take on Newcastle at the King Power Stadium is Adam Jury Leicester nil, Newcastle 3. If there were any doubts about whether the World Cup break would have any bearing on the form of the Magpies, they look to have been banished after a blistering first 45 minutes. They have left the Foxes totally shell-shocked. Chris Wood opened the scoring from the spot just three minutes into the game, and four minutes later, Miguel Almiron made it too. The Foxes failed to regroup, and then on 32, Joe Linton headed home at third to give the Magpies what looks to be an unassailable lead. Half-time at the King Power Stadium, it's Leicester nil, Newcastle 3. Chris Palace down to 10 men against Fulham. Alan Lewis is there for us. Crystal Palace nil, Fulham one. Fulham deservedly in front at the break, all going wrong for the home side. Pereira went close to Fulham and Jordan Ayew hit the bar for Palace before the away side took the lead. Bobby de Cordova reads glancing header from a Mitrovic cross, nestling itself into the bottom corner of the net. Palace were then reduced to 10 men when Tyrick Mitchell was sent off for an ugly-looking challenge on Kenny Tete. The referee, no question in showing the red card to the Palace defender. Fulham, good value for their lead. The home side, in contrast, very sluggish. A goal down, a man down, all to do in the second half. It's Crystal Palace nil, Fulham one. Oh, I've just seen an incredible sliding block pulled off there by Nathan Collins for Wolves. They're under pressure, though. Everton with a corner kick, and uh, we've just seen a header into the hands from Alex Oobi uh, to Wolves. So it's uh, still 1-1 there at Goodison Park. And finally, the half-times. Uh, Peter Hood is at St Mary's, where Southampton are taking on Brighton. Southampton nil, Brighton 2, the visitors dominating the game. They took the lead from Adam Lalana's header in the 14th minute and it looked as though it was an easy job to continue that form. And they did. They extended the lead just after the uh, half-hour mark when Estupan, on a good run down the left-hand side, put a cross in that Roman Perot could only push over his own line. They could have made it three just before the break when Matuma's cross went unattended at the far post. Half-time, Southampton nil, Brighton three. So that's the half-time scores from the Premier League. Just to bring you up to date on some of the news for this afternoon, of course, Aston Villa are taking on Liverpool at uh, Villa Park. That one kicks off at 5.30. And at 8 o'clock, the league leaders, Arsenal, will face West Ham United at the Emirates. In rugby, Munster and Leinster meet in the final Interpro derby of the URC regular season. Graham Rowntree has made two changes to the side that beat Northampton in the Heineken Champions Cup last weekend. Dave Kilcoyne and Shane Daly replaced the injured Jeremy Lockman and Mike Haley, respectively. Meanwhile, Andrew Porter's in line to make his 100th appearance for Leinster. Kickoff at Thoman Park is at 25-8. to 8. If you missed our preview earlier, of course, Aidan Delaney, my producer, speaking to the Irish Independence, Rory O'Connor, you can get that on our OTB Sports app on the podcast section or on the Go Loud app as well, where you can find OTB's podcasts or wherever else you get your podcasts. Um, that preview of the Blues versus the Reds down at Thoman Park. In racing, the Willie Mullins trained saint Roy has won the Grade 1 brand new racing post app Novice Chase at Leopardstown. The 3-1 to one winner beat the Gordon Elliott trained Fedor in the feature race on day one of the Christmas Festival. Elsewhere favourite Jerry Colombe was the winner at the Guinness Fahey Novice Chase at Limerick and a Brave Man's Game triumphed in the Grade 1 King George the Sixth Chase at Kempton. 
And uh, yes, that's uh, the, or I should say, the Paul Nichols train winner came out top in a nine horse field and it gave Nichols a record 13th victory in the prestigious race. Let's have a quick look at the English Championship games. Watford and Millwall played earlier on this afternoon. It finished Watford nil, Millwall 2. Sunderland were 2-1 winners at home against Blackburn Rovers. It's uh, Bristol City nil, West Brom 1 with five minutes into the second half of that game. Hull City nil, Blackpool 1. Middlesbrough are 2-0 up now against Wigan. They've just scored in the last few seconds. And uh, Middlesbrough, of course, one of those sides who would have been hoping to get promoted to the Premier League. They're in 10th position as it stands. It's uh, Preston 1, Huddersfield Town 0. Greg Cunningham from Galway scoring there for Preston in that match. It's Rotherham 1, Stoke City 0 in the other game in the Championship. And uh, they were just waiting for the second half to restart in that match. And it's Sheffield United 1 Coventry City nil. I'm glad to say Shane Keegan is back with us for the last 50 minutes or so of the OTB show here this afternoon. Everything just lining up a free kick here against Wolves and uh, it looks like they might have a ging at goal here. I can see Jose Sa just lining up his uh, wall. Uh, Dwight McNeil standing over this one. Um, but Shane, uh, bring us up to date on what's happening at the King Power Stadium. Is there any signs of a, a fight back there from Leicester City? Alex, still still early enough moments here or so it has. It's been been fairly scrappy um the first five minutes or so, not even five minutes or so gone yet. Um no, look, I would be absolutely stunned um if Leicester were able to produce any sort of fight back. The the cameras, interestingly, a couple of times during the half have have gone to uh James Madison up in the up in the stand, he's not involved at all today. And I mean, without him, they just look devoid of any real spark, to be honest with you. Absolutely. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how Leicester City season pans out now because we know Brendan Rodgers was under real pressure. It looked like he'd kind of fallen out with the board because he wasn't getting the transfer funds that he wanted before the season started. They only made one signing. It'll be interesting to see what happens in January now because we know that the club's owners, they've been honest with the supporters from the start. They said they just don't have the money there because we know their business is uh, is all to do with uh, duty-free and of course that, uh, that took a huge hit during the pandemic and they're still trying to recover from that so it's unlikely they'll have a, a big transfer budget in, in the uh, January transfer window but he still has a good squad there Shane in fairness Brendan Rodgers he's still got some good players the aforementioned uh, James Madison one of them uh, the likes of Yuri Tiedemann's there he's got some good defenders so Yunchu of course got huge experience Ricardo Pereira um, their goalkeeper uh, has you know after a really really shaky start mm. Um, and in fact, I, I was surprised Danny Ward didn't get a start for Wales in the World Cup. And I, I'd even go as far as to say, I think Wales might have even had a chance of getting into the knockout stage if they'd started with Danny Ward because Wayne Hennessy didn't have a great World Cup. Yeah, I'd agree with you. I'd agree with you 100% there. Um, yeah, Ward was was very shaky early on, but certainly has improved. No, look, they have. They have a decent, they have a decent squad. And I, I think they'll, to be honest with you, I think they'll have far too much to, to end up in the relegation zone come the end of it. I mean, even in this, game here, Stephen, like draft, like he hasn't messed around. They've made a double change at half time. But you look at the two players that he's brought on. He's brought on Iose Perez and Jamie Vardy. Um <laughs> yeah. you know, two good sides, two players who you would imagine will get in the vast majority of other sides down around the down around the foot of the table. Um they've had a little bit of an impact here as I said actually they've gone in a half decent attack there. Um yeah so look I suppose the big one for them is will they manage to retain James Madison you know will they manage to keep him through the through the transfer window Newcastle themselves actually are one of the ones I think that were strongly linked with him um if they do manage to get him keep keep him kind of at the club and keep him fit and that I think you know they'd certainly have too much the likes of 
Harvey Barnes, guys like this. Um, there's plenty of talent there, but um, yeah, look, I think it's it just has to be a season about avoiding relegation, and I think they will do. I think they will do. Yeah, it's interesting because Brendan Rodgers does, we've seen him before falling out with players, or maybe not even falling out, but players who maybe have their heads elsewhere with regards to being linked to other clubs and leaving them out of the squad. And uh, it is interesting, as you say, James Madison, who didn't play at the World Cup for England, so surely he's ready to go for Leicester City as as they come back. So that uh, the Newcastle link will be interesting to see how that one plays out. Yeah, yeah. I wasn't too sure what the, the story is with him. I'm looking here. I think he has I think he did pick up a bit of a knock. Yeah. Um so I don't think it's I don't think it's disciplinary or anything like that. Um I think he has got a bit of an ongoing knee problem that that is maybe holding him back. Um but yeah, look, I, I I do. I think he would be key to them kind of moving in the right direction and making sure that they stay away from that from that relegation zone. I just think there's I just think there's a good few teams inferior to them. I mean you look at the starting lineup of the likes of a, even Bournemouth, who to me are doing very well to be kind of, I think they're punching above their weight to be outside the relegation zone. Are they still, I think they're still outside the relegation zone, are they? Um, the likes of Bournemouth, Forest, um, teams like that, Southampton, Wolves, you'd imagine Leicester are, are they should be, you know, based on quality of player, they should be a, a level above those. Yeah, Bournemouth on 16 points. They're in 14th position. Uh, that's just three points clear of the relegation zone. So uh, just to give uh, listeners uh, just an update on the table, as it stands with the scores as they are, Wolves are bottom with 11 points, just one behind Southampton, and uh, they're just one point behind Nottingham Forest. So 11, 12 and 13 points, the bottom three. A point above Nottingham Forest, West Ham United, who take on Arsenal tonight at 8 o'clock. We'll talk about that game in a couple of moments. And uh, one point clear of West Ham is Everton and Leeds. And then one point clear of Leeds is Bournemouth. And then we've got above them Leicester City and Aston Villa. Aston Villa up in 12th place before they welcome Liverpool tonight for the 5.30 kickoff. And then Crystal Palace uh, training by a goal to nil today against Fulham at home at Selhurst Park. They're on 19 points. That's the bottom 10. The top 10 then Brentford after their 2-2 draw with Tottenham Hotspur are 20 points. They're just one behind Chelsea, who are on 21, and they've uh, got 14 games played, Chelsea. So a couple of games in hand there over some teams around them. Fulham in eighth position, Liverpool in seventh on 22 points, and they are just two off Brighton. As it stands, Brighton with that 2-0 lead against Southampton are up to sixth position, and a great start for their new boss from Italy. And Manchester United in fifth place, 26 points before their game against Nottingham Forest, and uh, they've got two games in hand against over Tottenham, I should say, who are in fourth position with 30 points. And then it's Manchester City on 32, Newcastle on 33. As it stands with that uh, three points, it looks like they're going to get from the game against Leicester City and Arsenal up on top on 37 points. And one thing that happens with teams when they are top of the table and uh, making a real go at the Premier League title is they start getting linked with every single player that might be interested in the move away from their clubs. Arsenal being linked with everyone from Palmeiras star Danilo, Leicester City's Yuri Tielemans, Mohamed Koudis, who of course starred for Ghana at the World Cup. Uh, he, of course, with Ajax Amsterdam. Mikhail Mudrik, Cody Gakpo, Marcus Turam, loads and loads of players. Alexis McAllister, of course, World Cup winner now with Argentina. He's been linked with Arsenal. Um, I'm sure a lot of it is just paper talk, Shane. But uh, you would think that their manager, Mikel Arteta, uh, looking ahead to their game against West Ham again tonight, he's going to need to strengthen if he's going to have any chance of putting up to Manchester City, the Premier League holders. 
Yeah, and look, uh, of all the players you've named there, I'm not sure if, if any of them were an out-and-out centre-forward, and you'd imagine that that's going to be the priority, Stephen, um, with, with Gabriel Jesus likely to be out for, you know, four maybe months, somewhere between the which they said they said it could be up to four months, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, going to be out for a long period of time. Um, look, I, I'm actually interested to see tonight how does how does Eddie and Ketia get on? Um, he 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 started against us when when I was at Dundalk, Stephen. When we played him in the Europa League, he yeah. would have played against us, and he he was you know he was excellent. He was absolutely excellent, and he's a fellow that I've always looked at and gone, well, what? Why is he just falling short of of, of making the grade? Um, and look, he's going to be given. He's going to be given probably, you know, two, three weeks, maybe there, thereabouts, to show. Well, is he up to the standard or is he not up to the standard? Um, and if he can hit the ground running and score a couple of goals, well, then maybe they won't need to splash out in in January. But you know, it is only going to be a handful of games that he's going to have to to, to prove himself. Um, and if he doesn't, you'll find I think that that's probably the position that they they need to make their number one priority. But they're, they're good sides. Like they really, really are. You watched them last year, and so many young players, particularly that kind of line behind the centre forward. So many young players impressing in in Saka and Odegaard and Martinelli and all of that. And you knew the potential was there. But I think you know, if we're honest, I think they've probably surprised everybody by just how good they have been this season. Um, you know, I was listening to your predictions there and. I'd be in the in the camp of the majority rather than in Adrian Barry's camp. I, I would find it hard to believe that City wouldn't go on to win this and, and and manage to get themselves up ahead of Arsenal. But even if Arsenal were to finish, you know, second this season, that would still be a tremendously successful season for them. Um, you know, a bit of a, probably a, a level of overachievement there. But they're, they're so good to watch. I mean, if you were to ask me for my top, you know, five players to watch in the Premier League at the moment, like Martin Odegaard, I, I'd watch him play all day long. I just think he's... Football brain-wise, he is right, right up there. The level of his movement and his vision and, and his ability to pick a pass and, and just so, so clever. It's like three steps to the left, three steps to the right, and the whole picture opens up for him. Um, I think he's maybe even floating under the radar a little bit. I actually thought he wasn't far off making a Premier League team of the year last year. I thought he was brilliant last year as well. But yeah, I don't know, because it's kind of you know not extravagant player he's not dancing past players or stuff like that he floats under the radar maybe a little bit but I, I, I think he's he's absolutely top notch um, you'd imagine they should have too much for, for West Ham tonight I do I saw West Ham twice so far this season and in both games I saw them um, I think they were either might have picked up a point between the two games and I actually thought they were very good in both games I think maybe they've been a little bit unlucky so far this season and I would I would probably be backing them to clamour their way out of there um, I just think they could have done without this as their first game back and they're, they're down a lot of bodies as well this evening I think Stephen Well speaking of down a lot of bodies a team on the pitch currently are down a lot of bodies Crystal Palace down to nine players now James Tompkins has just been sent off for a second yellow card so Tompkins uh, follows Tyreek Mitchell out the uh, exit for an early bat Fulham leading that game by a goal to nil with 30 minutes left to play that's going to be a big big job for Crystal Palace to try and sustain something and uh, even to get a draw from there you'd imagine Fulham might go for this now Shane yeah, yeah, geez, if they can't ram home the advantage from there, you'd be asking uh, Chris Mark Smith, which must be licking his lips at the the, the, the chance on Pereira, looking at the surely players like that will 
will be able to find plenty of space and, and, and put them to the sort. Nine players is not often you see a team going down to nine, is it? It sure isn't. Uh, Everton won, Wolves won is still the score at Goodison Park. Joe Hodge uh, played about an hour in that game after his first Premier League start and uh, he's just gone off with a couple of other uh, Wolves players there. Um, Adam, Adam Troyori won the Wolves players coming on there. Um, Joe Hodge playing an hour. It's, it's actually, I should have mentioned as well uh, earlier on, Shane, it is of course the first match of Julian Lopetegui, the Spanish manager. Interestingly, when he came to Wolves uh, just before the World Cup break, um, it was interesting. I watched an interview he did with Guillaume Balaguer um, on the official Wolves channels, and he spoke about the fact that he had turned the job down initially, but Wolves came back to him and, and basically said how much, I suppose, they spoke about a desire, why they wanted him at the club, all the plans that they had for him, and they really convinced him to go to Wolverhampton Wanderers. That was a really interesting thing, I felt. Um, but uh, I don't know what your thoughts are on the Spaniard taking over the, the reins there at the Molyneux. Yeah, he's he's not a guy you'd know a huge amount about. I'd be interested to see how how he's going to do there. Again, they're another one that I put in in the West Ham bracket. To be honest, I think they've got a bit more about them than their current league position suggests. Obviously, the huge issue for them was was the lack of goals. I mean, they, I don't. Am I right in saying had they anybody who scored has, has scored more than two goals for them this year? They were really really struggling on on that front. The Diego Costa move hasn't quite worked out for them um, in the manner that they were probably hoping it would and Wang isn't exactly banging them in either um, but I, I do I think they are decent I've, I've watched them in a lot of games and it'll be interesting to see what sort of imprint he puts on his team um, you know you look at guys like you look at guys like you know fellas who really really make the team you know very much in their style like the most impressive one obviously has been like the Zerbi. it's just um, amazing what the Zerbi has has done since he came into brighton you were looking at brighton and saying oh this this could be a problem for them now losing graham potter um and potter had them you know potter had them very much a possession based side a team that were able to keep the majority of the ball against the teams with with greater riches and somehow the Zerbi has managed to take that to another level he really really has um I was looking there, one of the games, the, the Man City game, um, Brighton had more of the ball. It was the only time ever Man City had, le- had less than 50% of the ball in a home game under Pep Guardiola. Yeah. Um, Brighton had more of the ball than City had that day. Um, so it'll be interesting to see, can this guy come in and have a similar imprint? I don't know whether it's, as I say, I, I don't know his style of football inside out. If I'm, if I'm honest, I don't know. Is he going to be possession-based or is he going to be a bit more direct, you would imagine? based on the team that he's picked today, and if he's thrown Joe Hodge straight into it, that he is a possession-based coach, because you ain't going to put a guy who's five foot nothing into the centre of midfield if, if you int- unless you intend trying to play out through him. Now, I can tell you that Brighton have taken a bigger lead against Southampton. Peter Hood is there for us at St Mary's. Southampton nil, Brighton three. The visitors, a stranglehold on the game with a delightful third goal. A fantastic shot from Solly March, who cut in from the right onto the left foot and bent a shot that gave Bazunu no chance whatsoever to send the uh, away fans wild with, um, with happiness. But Southampton have made the changes. They've tried to get back in the game, but the third goal looks to be the killer goal. It's uh, Southampton nil, Brighton three. Thank you, Peter Hood. Alan Lewis is watching the action at Selhurst Park, where I mentioned Crystal Palace are down to nine men. It's still Crystal Palace nil, Fulham one, but it gets worse and worse for Palace. They are now down to nine men. James Tompkins has been shown a second yellow card and a red card. This second 
second yellow card was for a clash with Alexandra Mitrovic. Mitrovic did make a lot of it, but there's no doubt that Tompkins put out his arm and Palace are now down to nine men. They've been chasing shadows in this second half already down after Tyrick Mitchell was sent off in the first half. De Cordova reads header in the first half, giving Fulham the lead and Paulinho's blasted a shot over the bar for Fulham. But it's all going Fulham's way at the moment. It's Crystal Palace nil, Fulham one. Alexander Mitrovic making a meal of a challenge like that. Call me shocked. Listen, just to bring you up to date on the rugby as well, folks, uh, it finished. Well, what a finish. I was quite disparaging of the uh, game between Dragons and Cardiff in the URC, but they sure have shown me it's finished. Dragons 24, Cardiff 29. Dragons had taken the lead thanks to a Keddie try. JJ Hanrahan got the conversion in the 65th minute and then in the 71st minute Northampton hit 24 points with a JJ Hanrahan penalty but then a try and a conversion in the 79th and 80th minutes between those sides uh, Domachowski with the try the conversion from Evans for Cardiff and that sealed a 29 to 24 point victory for them in the URC Ospreys take on Scarlets at 5.15 but of course the big game that we'll all be interested in is Munster against Leinster that one kicks off at 7.35 uh, don't forget our football coverage is brought to you with Sky and uh, oh my goodness just as I was about to read it out I'll uh, come back to that in a moment but Shane um, just I want to get your insight on this because I don't know if you've ever managed a team with just nine players on the pitch how do you like what do you do like there's 30 minutes left on the clock how do you even reorganise your team when you only got nine players on the pitch yeah, and the problem is you're behind, Stephen. I mean, whatever, you know, if you were trying to hold on to a lead, well, then, you know, you probably just go with, with two banks of four and see, can you try and see the game out? But uh, when when you're actually in need of a goal yourself, I'm not really sure what, what formation do you play. Is it 3-3-2? Uh, have I the right amount of bodies there? <laughs> I wonder. I'm not, I'm not too sure how you go about it. Yeah, no, it's an interesting one. We'll see how that one pans out. Um, just to uh, bring, I should say as well, our football coverage brought to you by Sky. Don't miss Manchester United versus Nottingham Forest tomorrow night live on Premier Sports. So just to bring you up to date then on the Premier League scores and the scores in the English Championship, it's Crystal Palace down to nine men, trading by a goal to nil against Fulham. It's Everton 1, Wolves 1 at Goodison Park. Leicester City nil, Newcastle United 3 and Southampton nil. Brighton 3. I sent you the clip of one of those goals. Uh, the second goal I think it was mm. for Brighton. Shane Keegan uh, we, we were out quickly in the defence of Gavin Bazunu. He won't be enjoying watching back that uh, that second goal for Brighton, will he? No, no, he definitely won't. Um, and look Stephen, I, hate, I bloody hate to highlight it but, but actually looking at some of the stats from the first half of the season or up to the, to the World Cup break um Again, you know, I don't know whether the new man manager is 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 going to be into his stats or not, but the, the stats don't make for great reading either. I think he's he was kind of bottom of the table for for the amount of saves he had made this season, and I think bottom of the table for I, I don't know xG prevented or something like that. Some of these numbers, but like I don't know, there's no doubt any of us who've seen him like he's he's a top class goalkeeper. He really, really is, and I mean that. That one today that you you sent across to me, you know, is that arguably the first one all season where you would say, okay, you know, there's no denying that he is blatantly at fault there. But others, there might have been occasions where you would have said he could do a bit better, maybe, but um, you wouldn't have said he was at fault for any. So look, it's a hairy enough 
Saharian off period for him. He needs to just try and, and, and get through this game and, and hope that he's still in the starting lineup for, for the next one again um, and hope things can, can turn around for both him and, and for the team. So, the English Championship, it is... I've just lost my latest scores as I'm about to read them, but here they are. It's Bristol City nil, West Brom 1, Hull City nil, Blackpool 1. Blackpool are down to 10 men in that game. And uh, just having a quick look at the uh, Blackpool team there, and uh, I was just seeing if there was any Irish interest, not just yet in that Blackpool team. Middlesbrough 3, Wigan 1. That's a big result there for Borough. It's Preston 1, Huddersfield Town 0. Rotherham 1, Stoke City 1. And Sheffield United 2, Coventry 0. Two Irish men playing at the back for the Blades. One has a yellow card, that's John Egan. The other has a goal, Kieran Clark. Interesting, a blast in the past there, Kieran Clark. I'm not too sure if he's a man that Stephen Kenny will be interested in bringing back to the Irish squad. Shane Keegan, do you think so? No, I would have thought his 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 time has passed. I mean, it's an area of the field, I suppose, thankfully, Stephen, that we have a lot of options in, isn't it? And, and a lot of good younger players. I mean, it'd be interesting to see does Androma Bamadeli get back in, fit and back into the picture now over the course of, of 2023. And obviously, you've already got Collins and, and, and O'Shea there. And, um, you know, I think it's an area. I think it's an area of the field that we're, we're not short on bodies for. You know, if it if it was if it was maybe a left wing back who was kind of in you know picked up a, a run of form in the way Robbie Brady has, I suppose he's done exactly that this year, hasn't he? So he's picked up a run of form and found himself back in the picture after being out of it. I I, I don't think we're as caught in centre half, so I, I I'd be very surprised to see Clark reappear. Yeah, well, all he can do, all he can keep doing, I should say, is doing his stuff as the great John Giles would say. And of course, you can hear our chat with the brilliant Irish football legend every week on the OTB football podcast feed. But uh, let's have a listen to uh, a bit from the man himself now as he joined Nathan before the break to discuss how you get players back and focused for the Premier League after being away at the World Cup. You have to do it, Nathan. Mm. You know, that's look, the one thing about football. You're only as good as your last match. You're only as bad as your last match, which can be a help, you know, if you have a bad time. But you're only as bad as your last match. But you're certainly only as good as your last match. And that, that's, that's being a pro. You know, you're a pro. That's what you get paid for. That's what you get for doing. You get, get, to, do, you get paid for that. Uh, but one match is over. It's the end of it, Nathan. It starts again and again and again and again. And uh, again, you go back to Messi on that particular. I mean, he's been around for a long time. He's played brilliantly. He's won loads of stuff, you know. But you see him coming into the World Cup in the last match he played in, had the right attitude, doesn't, doesn't go back on, on what he did in the past. And that's what the great players do. So I, I, I think, generally speaking, I think these were all good pros, the, the French and the Argentinians uh, reaching the World Cup. And we'll, be, we'll soon see, Nathan, because a lot of them, as we know, came from the, the Premiership. Mm. And they're playing tonight, I think, and... Uh, uh, you know the, the back playing again, so they have to do it. But it, it 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 depends on on their attitude, and it's very difficult playing in the in the, in the World Cup midway through the season. You know it's never happened before. It's always way at the end of the season. So it'll be very interesting to see how these players, and we see them in the in the Premiership, are able to respond to to being having played in a very 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 tough competition. Yeah, it is going to be fascinating because I think a lot of people over the last few months have spoken about burnout for players going to the World Cup and having to come back. But like watching Manchester United last night and Marcus Rashford, it was actually the players who came back from the World Cup who looked to step up in terms of fitness and sharpness. Well, they will do because they've been playing. You know, mm. the, the lads who, who weren't in the, the uh, World Cup, they haven't played for four weeks. 
or more. So that, that's a long time off for a player, you know, to, because they talk about, you, you, you hear every year about getting match fitness and game fitness. They, they, you know, the, 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 way, the lads who've been playing away, are, are, it's, it's, it's a plus for them rather than a minus. The lads who haven't played in many ways uh, is a minus because they haven't played for for four weeks. Mm. But they'll have to pick it up. I mean, we'll, we'll see as as it goes along because it, it's it's a long, hard season. Well, it, the World Cup at that particular, in the way they played it, Nathan. You know, I think it, it, it could well catch up on the players that got to the, you know, near the, the quarterfinals, the semis and the finals and that. I think it, it can happen. Yeah, it's an interesting point that uh, John makes there, Shane. And I'm thinking back to that famous European, well, I was going to say European Cup final, the Champions League final uh, that Liverpool defeated Tottenham Hotspur in. There was, a, of course, a long break uh, for those two clubs before that famous Champions League final. And, and neither side really got into the groove in that match. It was a terrible game, really. It was one of the worst finals in recent memory. And uh, I suppose that kind of, you know, that point that John makes about players who weren't at the World Cup, it can probably be harder for them to try and find that match fitness to get back into their groove uh, for the Premier League uh, continuation. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, I remember, <laughs> I remember that game you're referring to, Stephen. I couldn't get, I couldn't get my hands on the ticket. So would you believe? You know what I did myself and a few of the lads. We actually, we actually went across to to London and uh, went to a sold out White Hart Lane to watch the bloody game on a big screen, <laughs> on a big screen. Not one of the wisest decisions I've ever made. Now I can tell you, but um. <laughs> Yeah, look, I'm really interested to know what the training grounds have been like um, at clubs while the World Cup has been going on. You know, how much work has been done, you know, the amount of sports science, like, you know, we've got, you've got the height, the most extravagant in the height of sports science departments in, in world sport at these clubs. But science is all is all based on on what went before and like john has referred to there the situation we're in has never gone before so they don't have you know past experience to lean on so this is is very very new to them in terms of well you know how much work should we be doing like mo salah for example again to come back to him what has mo salah been doing for the last month you know when, when we sit down to this game this afternoon are we going to see a refreshed and a rejuvenated mo salah or are we going to see a mo salah who has cobwebs on him because he hasn't played a competitive game you know and and to a certain extent there the the result and the performance will dictate the narrative won't it you know like having watched the Spurs game earlier on you could look at young min son and say oh he you know he looked tired and he didn't look himself and the world cup has taken a bit out of him um and then you look at harry kane and you know he was like far and away as far as best player he scored a, a goal he, he was extremely unlucky not to have scored another goal you know, and everybody was kind of, you know, the narrative was nicely set up there for Harry Kane's slump on the back of missing that penalty, you know, for people to say, oh, his confidence is down and blah, blah, blah. He, he looked anything but. He, he just got straight back into the groove. So it, it is, it's, you just don't know. You just don't know. And we're going to create all kinds of narratives around these performances, depending on, on how fellas show. Whereas, you know, quite often the time, a lot of the time, it's just that a fellas had a good game or a bad game. And, and that story can spin the other way very, very quickly, too. Absolutely. Crystal Palace, as I mentioned, down to nine men. They're also now trading by two goals to nil. There was a VAO review, but it has been given with all the details. Here's Alan Lewis. 
Crystal Palace nil, Fulham two, and Fulham have delivered the knockout blow against nine-man Crystal Palace. And it's the captain, Tim Ream, with the goal. A corner from the far side was nodded down, and there was Ream to smash the ball home with his left foot from close range. Palace have been trying everything they can to try and get back into this game. They just haven't had the numbers. It's Crystal Palace nil, Fulham two. In his last five seasons, Tim Ream has scored one league goal for Fulham. So if you're conceding to the American International, it's a really bad day for you. Crystal Palace straight by two goals. <laughs> I, thought you straight, I thought of you straight away, Stephen. You were all you were all talk about Tim Ream the last game we were commentating. I'm sure you were. I sure was. He's a real cult hero at Craven Cottage. They love him there. And as we were doing that game, the cheers every time he got the ball uh, was something else. Uh, the 35-year-old is really having an Indian summer to his career. I can tell you another thing as well, Shane Keegan, because we did say before the World Cup break, because Alexander Mitrovic didn't play in that game against Manchester United, and we were saying that perhaps his his gaffer, Marco Silva, said to him, look, Alexander, you go, get yourself fit, have a good World Cup, and then come back to me, but you owe me a big favour then, and he certainly helped him out here with two assists. Ah, uh, yeah, look, he's, he's, a, he's, a, he's a great bit of stuff, so he is. He's, he's one of these... Uh me against the world sort of lads, isn't he? You know, you can't help but but like it. He, he'll 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 get into a row with everybody, and but he, he's a great player. I mean, he, he is a really really good player. So he is, as you say, he's not just a goal scorer. He is a goal scorer first and foremost, and that's a, a huge help. But he's not just a goal scorer. He'll put in a shift. You know, you can play into him and play off him. Um, and you know. You talk about you named out a lot of a lot of players that the likes of Arsenal are going to be after. Mm. I mean, you know, would Arsenal be tempted to test to test Fulham with a, a an offer for the likes of an Alexander Mitrovic? I Great mean, chef. he may be in one way he's not a typical Arsenal player, but in another way, I'd be looking at him going, you know, in terms of a team who want to kick on and do the best they can and maybe have a, a jersey to fill if if Gabriel Jesus is out for a while. You know, would would he be a decent option? He sure would. Oh, God, I used to get so frustrated when he was being managed by Scott Parker in the last Premier League season for Fulham. And Scott Parker just didn't know how to use him. And it's simple. Marco Silva said at the start of this season, you've got a playmaker who can feed the ball to Alexander Mitrovic. He will score you goals. We see with Dusan Talic when they play for Serbia. And we're seeing it now because he's got uh, sorry, uh, Pereira behind him uh, playing yeah. for Fulham. And Fulham have a couple of other creative players there that feed the ball to Mitrovic. That's all you need. And as you say, that's that's a great shout, I think, Shane, for Arsenal. Because you've got Odegaard in there and a number of other players who could supply the service to Mitrovic. Could we see a swoop for him by Arsenal in the January transfer window? We shall see. Good afternoon. Welcome back to Off the Ball on this very exciting St. Stephen's Day Sunday afternoon. The Premier League matches currently are Crystal Palace nil, Fulham 3. Guess who got the third goal? It is Mitchell Glycerine. The man himself has got a goal to help his efforts there. 84 minutes on the clock in that game and also at Goodison Park where it's Everton 1, Wolves 1. The two goals coming in the first half of that match. Yerry Mina for Everton, an equaliser from Daniel Podence for Wolves. Leicester City nil. Newcastle United 3. Chris Wood with a penalty for the Magpies. Miguel Almiron getting the second before Joel Linton made it 3-0 just after the half-hour mark. It must be a very boring second half. We'll find out of Shane Keegan in a moment. He's keeping an eye on that game. I've been uh, keeping an eye on Everton Wolves. It's been a poor enough second half after what was a very thrilling first half in uh, on Merseyside there. 
And it's Southampton 1, Brighton 3. James Ward-Prowse missing a penalty for the Saints and then scoring in the 73rd minute. And it's uh, So they're trading by three goals to one against their South Coast rivals. Aston Villa against Liverpool. It kicks off at 530 at Villa Park and give you the lineups. Um, as expected, Robin Olsen score starting a goal for Aston Villa, of course. Emmy Martinez, their Argentinian World Cup winner, not expected back for the games. Ashley Young playing at right back. It's Dini at left back and then Konza and Mings at centre half. McGinn, Kamara, Douglas Louise and Leon Bailey playing in midfield for Aston Villa. And then Spondia and Watkins in a 4 4 2. Uh, formation there for the villains. Allison in goal for Liverpool, who have Trent Alexander-Arnold at right back, Andy Robertson left back, Van Dijk and Matip at centre half, and then it's Jordan Henderson, Fabinho and Thiago as the midfield three, and then it's Mo Salah playing alongside Darwin Nunez and Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain. That's an interesting uh, selection there by Jurgen Klopp. So there's the starting teams for that game, which kicks off at five thirty. At uh, 8 o'clock, it's Arsenal, the leaders against West Ham United. Uh, just briefly, Shane, it's an interesting one. Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain starting for the Reds. Yeah, I had seen a, a, a predicted lineup this morning, actually, and he was down as as, as starting, all right. So it was a good uh, a good call. Somebody obviously had their ear to the ground on, on that front. Yeah, he's yeah, he's, he's, it's almost like a blast from the past with him, isn't it? It's, it's, it's a guy who had so much potential when he was younger, but he's... he's Become an absolute bit part player is even really a compliment to him. Um, he's just never made much of a, a much of an impression really with that side, and it'll be interesting to see can he make any sort of imprint with with the couple of absences that they have at the moment. You know, just to bring people up to date on the English Championship matches, which are also coming to a close to a conclusion. It's uh, Bristol City nil, West Brom two, Hull City one. Blackpool 1, Blackpool with 10 men. It's Middlesbrough 3, Wigan 1. Uh, Preston 1, Huddersfield Town 1. An equaliser there for the Terriers. There's just been an equaliser for Stoke City. They're away to Rotherham. It's 2-2 between those two sides. Sheffield United down to 10 men, but they're leading Coventry City by three goals to one. Kieran Clark, as I mentioned, the Irishman on this course sheet. And uh, I'm afraid the man sent off. It's the Corkman. Or I should say, yeah, he is a Cork man, even though his dad was, of course, famously from Kerry. 3-1, John Egan has been sent off there for the Blades. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how that game finishes out. And uh, just to bring you up to date as well on the horse racing, of course, it is a big, big day always on St. Stephen's Day. The Willie Mullins-trained San Roi has won the Grade 1 brand-new racing post up Novice Chase at Leopardstown, the 3-1 to winner beat the Gordon Elliott-trained Fedor in the feature race on day one of the Christmas Festival. Elsewhere, favourite Jerry Colomb was the winner at the Guinness Voheen Novice Chase at Limerick and Bravesman's Game triumphed in the Grade 1 King George VI Chase at Kempton. The Paul Nichols-trained winner came out on top of a nine-horse field and it gave Nichols, it gave Nichols a record 13th victory in the prestigious race. We'll uh, get all the full-time reports from around the grounds in the Premier League coming up next on Off The Ball. Good afternoon and welcome back to Off The Ball on this St. Stephen's Day Sunday afternoon. Stephen Doyle here with Shane Keegan to see you at the last few minutes and we'll bring you all the full-time uh, roundups, I should say, from our reporters around the ground. So just to bring people up to date, uh, currently it is Crystal Palace with nine players trailing by three goals to nil against Fulham. The goal scorers there for the Cottagers, Reed, Ream and Mitrovic. Everton won, Wolves won. Yerry Mina scored for the Blues before an equaliser from Podence in that game at Goodison Park. It's Leicester City nil, Newcastle United three. 
Chris Wood from the spot before Miguel Almiron scored and then Joel Inton to make it 3-0 to the Magpies and at Southampton 1, Brighton 3 at St Mary's so it looks like 3 points there for the Seagulls and that manager Deserby of course who Shane was praising earlier on the programme has had a great start to his career there managing in the Premier League it's Aston Villa against Liverpool kicking off at 5.30 I gave you the teams there just before the break Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain the big man or the big one a line from that one there and it's Arsenal taking on West Ham at the Emirates that one kicks off at 8 o'clock this evening um what are we thinking here Shane at, uh, I'm just looking at the live standings Newcastle now moving up into second place that's the game you've had your eye on this afternoon they of course have played two more games than Arsenal above them and Manchester City below them I should have mentioned uh, I didn't really mention Manchester City earlier on uh, they of course have to wait until the 28th two days time before they go to Elland Road not an easy place to go to of course No no that could be a tough enough one for them um, again you know Leeds are, have have looked impressive at times. Um, they would they would have similar to West Ham. They would have wanted any fixture, bar the fixture they probably got coming out the other side of it. Um, but no, they're they're decent lineup. But you would expect City to to have far too much for them, though. Really, in terms of this one that I buy eye on, Leicester have been the better side in the second half, Stephen. So they have. But I think Newcastle have probably been playing um, within themselves to a to a certain extent as well. Almiron, who I was talking about earlier, went off to a a big standing ovation from the Newcastle section. Um, as you can imagine, as I was saying, he's just been scintillating that goal for anybody who's listening. Get get a look at that goal um, later on today if you can. His his build up play and his finish were, were top class. And yeah, they're interesting. They're they're interesting. I I, I really think they're going to be there thereabouts come the end of it. Not for a title, but 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 for Champions League spots. Um, Eddie Howard. So. Lads of people be giving out about me. I tend to mention this every time I'm, I'm bloody talking about him. Eddie Howe, I, I did my A licence with Eddie Howe, Stephen. Um, mm. He actually came over. I did my A licence up up the north through the IFA um, and Eddie came across and did his over there as well. At the time, he was a Bournemouth manager and Bournemouth were in uh, League One, I'd say, there thereabouts. Um, but an incredibly imp- impressive individual um, both in terms of how he communicates and talks but just a genu- really genuine sort of a guy and I know a lot of people have issues with him, you know, taking the money and, and, and going to Newcastle, where obviously there are so many question marks, human rights-wise and all that. But um, he's a guy I've always had one eye on and always wished the best for. And uh, I'm delighted to see him doing so well there from, from that perspective, to be honest. Yeah, and interestingly, uh, St. James's Park will be rocking on New Year's Eve be- be- because they host Leeds United in a three o'clock kickoff before, in eight days' time. They take on Arsenal. It could be a top two clash. We shall see. That's going to be a brilliant game at the Emirates. Yeah, look, that that will be an absolute cracker, and that will be a real, real test for 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 both sides. Um, I'm struggling to think what how Newcastle have done or what games they've played against some of the bigger sides uh, this year. But look, that that'll certainly be a mouthwatering one. Yeah, it sure will. Um, and they actually beat Arsenal in their last Premier League game, a 2-0 win, albeit at the end of last season. So uh, I'm not too sure how much you can put on that result going into their next Premier League meeting. Um, we're just waiting for the full-time whistles around the grounds. A fair bit of added time being played in some of those games. Uh, we're into the third, fourth, I should say, fourth minute of added time between Everton and Wolves. That one is still 1-1 as it stands. Everton are in 16th position, just up one place, uh, leapfrogging West Ham uh, to go to 15 points. And uh, Frank Lampard could be under pressure maybe in the new year, I think, Shane. Yeah, yeah, I think he will be. Um, look, he was under a lot of pressure earlier in the season and he managed to ride it out and, and get a couple of, of decent results towards the end of it. But 
I, I haven't been overly impressed with them, Stephen, any time I've, I've seen them. And look, they should have enough quality. When you look at the personnel in the team, they should have enough quality, not really to be sucked into that. But I think they will be. I think they will be 100%. Uh, I did the... Uh, remind me that the, the, the show that the lads do um, on the Thursday where they preview the games from a, a, a betting perspective. Um, I did it with them there on, on Thursday morning and I, I, I gave... Wolves, Wolves plus a goal as as one of my big tips. I, I just couldn't see, I couldn't see Everton, you know, having enough to, to beat them. They, they just never impressed me, really, to be honest with you. Ho, ho, ho. Have we got a winner at Goodison Park? I'm watching yeah. Julian Lopetegui clench his fists, shaking them up towards the sky. <laughs> and as we just talk about Frank Lampard being under pressure, he really is going to be under pressure. He's looking furious. I'm just trying to get confirmation here on the goal scorer. I think it could be Aid Nori. But uh, unfortunately, we're not going to have a huge amount of time to uh, to uh, talk about that. But it looks like we've got a winner there for Wolves. It's Everton 1, Wolves 2. A full-time result at King Power Stadium. Leicester City nil, Newcastle United 3. Newcastle are now second in the Premier League. It's Crystal Palace with nine men trailing Fulham by 3-0. You can take that as a full-time score. And I think you can take the score at St Mary's as a full-time. It's Southampton 1, Brighton 3. It's been a great afternoon spent with you, Shane Keegan. Get that turkey and ham out. Stick it in the microwave. Make a few sambos. Thanks very much for joining us. It's been brief. It's been beautiful. Test just even. Who's on the bench for oh. Arsenal? No pressure. Well, no pressure. He actually did Time up. Time up. <laughs> Subscribe now to the OTB Football Podcast stream wherever you get your podcasts and download the OTB Sports app.